Well, thank you, Haley, for joining us here today on KZMU. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about your play, Blackout, which is airing this this weekend here in Moab at Star Hall at 7.30 on Saturday night. And Friday night. And Friday night at 7.30. Um, your promotional material states that Blackout, a one-woman show, that it's a journey out of hiding and into the light. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so in this autobiographical play, you see a woman who has lost herself in relationships. And so in the process of the play, you see her rediscover her voice and use it. And in that journey, you really see her come out of hiding in her own community, like a chameleon doing whatever she needs to do to fit in. Um, You see her really start to take the risk of being her authentic self and being more in the light and honest with herself and her community about who she really is. And what is she? She is, she is uh, an outspoken and strong and powerful woman who has been erasing herself and minimizing her strength in order to make space for or to accommodate a man. Be- because of what has happened to her? Yeah, I I guess because of certain events, in addition to, I think, learning very early what it is to be a woman in our society and how to dance the dance of accommodating those around her and serving others and slowly becoming a guest in her own body by doing Mm -hmm. so. Tell me, what is the play about? So the play is about a young woman who identifies this pattern of almost having her thought bubbles never be out loud bubbles, like noticing, oh, I'm not really saying what I'm actually thinking. And so throughout the course of the play, you watch this woman experiment with making some of those thought bubbles out loud bubbles. Mm-hmm. And in what, in what regard? In the regard of... Um, I, mean, I'm, I think you're talking about something much deeper than you're having lunch with a friend and they're just annoying you. So much, you're just sitting there thinking, oh, I wish he would just shut up. <laughs> but it's not that. We're talking about some, some deeper uh, psychological feelings, right? Yes, and, and also the small things like, uh-huh. oh, you're annoying me when we're at lunch. Okay. You know, kind of, um, I think both are true in terms of what happens when someone erases themselves or when they feel erased and how out of nowhere everything is hidden. But you're right in that the only reason that those small things become hidden, like what you're really thinking about your friend at lunch, um, stems from the deeper issues that this character is battling with. And she has a history of sexual abuse and sexual trauma um, and that those events have really caused her to silence herself and to not know anymore how to speak out about those dark things that happen. How did the idea for the play come to you? 
Well, I was getting my master's in acting at the University of Washington in Seattle, where I live now. Mm -hmm. And as part of the thesis for the three-year program, you have to write and perform a one-person show. Mm. However, I was in the graduating class of 2020, so we were ramping up for all of these performances and a showcase in L.A., and then, you know, blackout. Everything came to an abrupt halt because of COVID. So then I found myself having worked on this project or at least the seeds of it, but then nowhere to put it and having all of that time in quarantine, I was really forced to confront the one person that I had been avoiding, which was myself. And in doing so, the previous drafts of the play really changed because I started actually telling my real story rather than talking around the story. Hmm. Hmm. And then, you know, a year and a half has passed and I am a performing artist in the time of COVID. So I was in this very bizarre juxtaposition where in my recovery and in my walk into wellness from my experience with sexual abuse and sexual trauma, I started to feel more and more alive in my body and more and more like I was capable of using my voice and yet because of COVID, I had no stage. I had nowhere to put my story. Mm. And so I just kept pouring myself into the script and into the writing until I couldn't wait for theaters to open anymore. And that's when I designed the West Coast Porch Tour I've been on. What's it about? How would you describe it? And is it a couple hours or are there different acts? Or how does does the, the play work? So the play is, it runs about one hour without an intermission. Mm -hmm. And um, I really take you on a ride. I mean, I play five different characters. Uh, My director, Valerie Curtis Newton, folded in some music and some sound tech that has enhanced the show. Um, So it's one hour where I really take you on a journey. So you take on the roles of five different people? I do. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. What made you want to talk about such a deeply personal issue? Well, having felt silenced and erased for a number of years, especially in grad school where I was training to be a professional actor, um, it was while I was in grad school that I was experiencing sexual violence. I... I wanted other people to not feel as alone or as silenced as I did. Um, And so I feel like the stories that helped me the most in my healing and in my recovery were the really specific instances where I could empathize or feel like I was less alone. And so if I can do that by telling my story, then I feel compelled to do so. And and isn't that part of I I guess uh, psychologists will say the best way to put demons or issues behind us or or maybe not behind us is the proper way to to deal with them is to say this happened to me or this is something I'm dealing with because then once it's out in public you find out that you're not the only person and and you begin to share what happened perhaps in your circumstance and 
it empowers others as well as you, but it, it helps you heal by discussing it. Yes, absolutely. And that's certainly my goal with this project is to help, as I walk into the light, to help illuminate others' journey into the light and for us to all seek that freedom. Like, yeah, let's let's like rally together and really tell our stories because we're not crazy and we're not alone. Right. Uh, what have the responses been to your play? Oh, my goodness. I... I feel quite humbled by how well my work has been received so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I've sold out shows in Seattle, Portland, Eugene, LA, and Salt Lake City. And um, I've had a wide variety of responses, both from professional artists that I admire and respect, and also from women that I've never met before, and men, um, and and lots of women that want to tell their story that see themselves in this or like I had a woman in LA write me a letter afterwards who I'd never met her before sharing her own experiences of the moments in my play that she could relate to or that she saw herself in and there's been a an overwhelming outpouring of that um kind of whoa thank you I'm not crazy yeah yeah I I I can imagine um, do you think that y- y- your play, and, and in fact, we were just talking about it, I bet it does empower people to come forward or to maybe when they leave to think about what happened to them. Do, do you get that as well? Do people maybe later on say, hey, I saw your play and I just want to let you know how it affected me? Yes. And one thing I'm very grateful for is that my colleague and dear friend, Christy Post-Wallace, who I met while I was in Seattle in grad school, she's been with me on this tour and she'll be with me at the shows in Moab uh, filming a documentary about the power of storytelling and the power of my play. And so one thing that she has been doing is collecting interviews afterwards with anyone that wants, feels compelled or something is stirred up in them as they're watching the show, then they have the opportunity to put their story somewhere if they want to. They've been... Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, so that, that's been really powerful to give them a place to put that. Mm-hmm. When, you know, you leave something, the, the point of art is to provoke or inspire, and then you have a place to put it. it has been really exciting to see. How do you feel when you see stories on the news or in the newspaper about other women who have been dealing with the uh, with sexual abuse for example on the east coast one of the biggest stories now is governor andrew cuomo who has been i believe indicted i think it was 11 women so far have come forward and and accused him of sexual harassment. And they go into some detail about what he did. That's just one really high-profile case. Of course, another one is uh, Harvey Weinstein and what happened there a few years ago. Um, Those are just two of the high-profile, and there are probably tens of thousands of those cases that don't go reported. Mm. Um, Do you think that 
when people see those kinds of things happening, it, it may, might encourage them to come forward to talk about um, their personal experiences? I do. I think there's something very contagious about hearing someone else tell their truth and knowing that you could do, you could do it too. And what I will say in regard to those high-profile cases is that I am in awe of those women that do file or do speak their truth because it's incredibly challenging to do so. And um, you'll see that I go into that a bit in my play in terms of just how many logistics you're trying to manage between the decision of whether or not to file. And it's tricky. And so I just feel like our job is to believe them and to know that they're not crazy and that they didn't make it up. Did your case go, did, did you file charges? I did not choose to file. Okay, okay. And there are a number of reasons for that that you'll see when you see it, my it, play. It, it's in the play? Okay. It's in the play, yeah. Okay. So what else is talked about in the play? Um, well, it's tricky because I, of course, don't want to give anything away. Right, right. <laughs> well, you can give us the context, right? Um, Where does it start? It starts present day here in Moab on oh, the okay. night. So I, oh. I use um, direct address in my play, and it's very here and now. So when I come out on that stage, it will be live in the moment. Hey, Moab, good to see you. And then I will tell you a story. What kind of response are you hoping you get from the audience? The, their honest response, you know. Um, I want... The audience members to have their own authentic reaction and of course my hope with this whole tour has been to be embraced by my community and to um, you know by experimenting with sharing my my truth and my authentic self for people to be cool with it um, but having said that one of the most empowering and exciting moments of this tour occurs when I I stop trying to impress or please everyone and instead just tell the truth. Tell your story. Tell and, my story. And let people react. And then if I offend or if I um, disappoint anybody, then that's their truth and that's that's in their hands and that's okay. And all I have control over is being me and telling my truth. That's what I'm going to do. Well, I, I, for one, congratulate you for, for doing this, for coming forward, for talking about a subject that we, most of us would probably try to hide somewhere in ourselves and live with the consequences of that because it is so difficult. For example, um, again, going back to Mario Cuomo, how he is belittling these women who are career women, well-educated, um, have worked with him for years, and he is just making them out to be this awful person who is just trying to bring him down. And I'm sure that happens in many of these cases where, just like you said, they try to 
turn it around and make the woman guilty of of the crime. Right, and then because that is so pervasive in our culture, there's a huge fear of not being believed if you do speak out. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm. it's exciting. It has been very exciting that the louder I tell my real story and mm-hmm. speak my truth, so far, the more embraced I've been by everyone tenfold. And I want other people to to stop exhausting themselves, pretending that everything is good when sometimes it isn't. And to instead be honest about the darkness that mm-hmm. we all encounter mm-hmm. in this life in one way or another and see how how embraced you can be. And, you know, it, it, it the topic of the play is primarily deals with sexual abuse, correct? I wouldn't actually frame it as primarily sexual abuse. That's okay. part of the story, and I okay. definitely put that as a warning because okay. I want people to walk in with the understanding of those triggers, but I would right. actually frame it as a story about a woman who finds her voice and uses it because okay. the sexual abuse is one part of the play, but right. there's a lot more okay. that happens throughout the course of the hour. Like happens in our lives. Right. That's the thing is that, you know, even if you have experienced some form of sexual abuse, you have this vibrant life that you're still living. You're eating breakfast. You're hanging out with your family. You know, life keeps moving. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's a lot of other things that happen in the play that have nothing to do with the sexual abuse. You know, I bet you um, if you asked for a show of hands in the audience, how many people have been affected by something like sexual abuse? I bet you over 90% of the hands will go up. I think you're right. Yeah. And the reason I don't focus only on that issue in my plays because like everyone else in the audience who went to a play that night, you know, life is rich and full and you laugh through it. You cry through it. You know, I use humor in my play intentionally because you have to laugh when things get really, really hard. Yeah. And I think it's, 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 it's wonderful that, that you, you wrote this and are performing it. You know, there are so many things in our lives that we don't want to talk about, difficult issues that impact us greatly, we can sometimes not know how to discuss those and and overcome them. Yeah, and I've noticed that too in doing this project, that there's such a a lack of language around how to talk about complicated issues Mm. uh, that are brought up in the play. That that's been really interesting too. Almost watching people fumble, like, "Oh, how do I talk about this after?" And that's great too. Let's let's talk about that. Let's deal with that, like together in community. Let's develop a language around talking about these complicated issues. You know, and that's like I, I was saying to you before. My daughter, the art therapist. Yeah. And and one of the ways that that she gets people to talk about issues that they're confronting is through art. Mm-hmm. So there probably are ways, like you said, to try to, how do you get people to talk about a difficult issue 
and maybe that's one way and your way is is also another one mm -hmm. so tell me what do you got else cooking what comes after blackout oh good question i don't know i'm gonna no. take a break uh -huh. <laughs> i've been working on this play for over a year and a half and this tour has been in beautiful and joyous and full and very exhausting and complicated so i'll be ready for a little break and then when i get back to seattle i would like to eventually market this play to colleges or in universities to try to get me in for orientation week so that other students can hear my story and know what their options are if anything like this happens to them in an institution like it did to me um, but that's just one idea, right? I'll, I'll let this experience of the West Coast porch tour just kind of simmer in me and see where I need to go with it next. Yeah. Hey, let, tell me about it. It's called the porch tour. Yes. And, and I loved it. Tell, t <laughs> t tell our listeners what that is. Well, I was sick of waiting for theaters to open. And oh. so I started designing this tour after... Um, I, I received a grant from Theater Off Jackson, a theater in Seattle, to do my one-woman show to be filmed there because of COVID regulations. This was before the vaccine. Um, so, so it is filmed. So it was filmed, okay. although that was a really different version because I continued to rewrite up until opening night. And that was okay. before I had hired my director, Valerie Curtis Newton, to work with me on the project. So one iteration of it had been filmed, but I walked away and looked at that footage and I just knew it wasn't right, that this was a, a project that demanded to be in person and live, that it needed to live and breathe in real time and with mm -hmm. shared breath and shared space. Mm. So I walked away from that. I didn't or air any of that material and then I was sitting with one of my colleagues trying to brainstorm how am I going to get this story out there what am I going to do I can't wait for theaters to open and because I had debuted a different iteration of it last summer in partnership with the Great Salt Lake Fringe Festival on Zoom on my porch she said well why don't you do a porch tour and huh. Joellen Sweeney is her name and it was one of those ideas that once it was in the air I, I knew I had to do it. I just got chills and thought, oh, this is what I'm doing. And I also knew because I'm so close to this story as the writer and performer and it's autobiographical that if I wanted this to be a killer piece, I needed to hire a director. So I hired who I consider to be the best director in Seattle, Valerie Curtis Newton, and continued to workshop the script. And we opened the show on July 8th in my backyard in Seattle on my porch. W will she be here? She will not be she here, not. no. But she um, she was at my show in Seattle. And before I go into any of the spaces that I've been along the tour, she and I will FaceTime so she can help me kind of figure out the logistics of my space. And okay. she's been a huge support system throughout the whole thing. And let's talk about your roots in, my roots. in, in Moab. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'm a very proud native. Okay. Were you born here? I was not born here, okay. but I moved here when I was five. So okay. I think that, it counts. That's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> and... I love Moab. I love where I'm from. I, yeah, I, it's fun to be back in the radio station, in fact, because I would come here all the time as a kid. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And and uh, you still have family here? I do. Both of my parents are still here, Paul and Betsy Henderson. Oh, nice. And my brother lives in Madison, Wisconsin now, but... Oh, okay. So tell me, the, the play is coming up this weekend. Yes. At Star Hall, 
Uh, where can you get tickets? You can get tickets at Back of Beyond Books. Okay. And tickets are $15, and it'll be 7.30 on Friday and Saturday at Star Hall. And you can buy, you can buy tickets at the door if, if you yes, want to come in. totally. And if people are interested in finding out more about Haley Henderson, where, where would they find that out? HaleyHenderson.com. Oh, that's an easy one. <laughs> HaleyHenderson.com. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us here today on Art Talks. Haley, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Well, thank you. What a joy. I really appreciate it.